Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome, finally, to episode 70 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, accompany you, the listener, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana that is the most highest, purest, bestest, most wondrous spiritual, emotional, physical form of being that there is. And how do you achieve that, you ask? Well, of course, the only answer is to watch every movie the man they call Nicolas Cage has ever been in. And hopefully we'll get to know him a little bit better. How have you been? How have you been? Um, Let's address the elephant in the room. Apologies for the um, unforeseen two-week absence. Um, A mixture of things. If you've been following me on social media, you'll already be aware. The first of them, you may be able to sound it in my... um, Sound it out in my voice a little bit. I've uh, been a little bit sick, a little bit ill, got that uh, cold. That's a going round these time of year, so I'm still a little bit snotty, a little bit sniffly. Um, but hopefully we're getting this shit back on track, people. And then sort of the week after that, uh, my cat got suddenly quite sick. Had to take the cat to the uh, the vets. Um, so that sort of took my time and attention elsewhere unfortunately he's doing well he's doing fine just got to keep an eye on him change his diet up a bit he had to have a bit of his belly fur shaven off so now he's just got quite frankly a butchered patch where he's just got his little uh, naked pink belly out it is quite adorable um you just kind of want to touch it but obviously i don't want to because personal cat space and all of that um so catching up uh what else has been going on in the interim obviously as i said in the uh the last episode if you remember i've since turned 30 in that time, I've travelled up to that there, London, and been to the Prince Charles Cinema to attend a, uh, a Nicolas Cage movie marathon. Um, I got to meet in person uh, Petros from Caged In, Coppola Connections, and Graham and Ian from the podcast Nobody Asked For, as we, um, well, survived, um, I think is the best way to describe it. Uh, we watched The Rock Conair, Face Off, Drive Angry, which was the mystery movie, and then Mandy. Let me tell you, when you've been running on no sleep for 24 hours and then you watch Mandy at 7 o'clock in the morning, that is an experience. Um, But if you want to get my thoughts in and Graham's thoughts as well, uh, go and check out the latest episode of Caged In. Uh, There's a special episode covering our uh, our thoughts on the event as well. I'll link to that in the description down below. That was a lot of fun to catch up with Petros about that. Other than that, you know, it's now time finally, to round off and wrap up 2014. So this week, I was joined on the podcast by Zachary Jackson of the Unwoken Fool podcast. Um, We had a lovely chat all about this film um, in Outcast, which stars Hull Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker from the prequel Star Wars, and Nicolas Cage in a very weird 
I don't even know. I'm, I'm still not a bit sure what this film is. Um, this sort of giant, or built for China, the Chinese audiences, and very much it's a a white knight tale of saving royalty. Um, you'll hear you'll hear all about that and more in the in the, uh, in the episode as we go on. This was a lot of fun. First time chatting with Zachary, and it was lovely to have him on. Um, as ever, let's get the admin out of the way. You can follow me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. We've hit over a thousand followers now, by the way. That's happened. We've done it. The dream is alive. If you believe, you will achieve. Uh, so come and join me over on Twitter. We're on Instagram as well at cage rage pod, and you can find me on all the usual streaming services: uh, your Apple's, your Pod Chasers, uh, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Tuned In, Acast as well. Um, if you are listening on any platform in which you can leave a rating or a star rating, that would be highly appreciated. Please do. Um, it helps the podcast grow and to get more people to find it as well. With that out of the way, let's get into the episode. It is episode 70. It's Outcast. It's Daryl Edge. It's Zachary Jackson. Enjoy. Duh. 2014 continues this week as we move on to the action film Outcast. This week, Cage stars as Ghislaine, a war-weary crusader who teams up with a fugitive Chinese prince and his sister to help them defeat their older brother. Now, joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana this week to see if Outcast should be welcomed back or has been banished with good reason is host of the Unwoken Fool podcast, Zachary Jackson. Zachary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely welcome. Uh, all are welcome on the journey to true Cage Nirvana. There's always room to stretch out your legs on the, on this mode of transportation as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as always, with the start of the episodes, I'm always interested to know, with new guests especially, uh, your sort of Cage history. I know when I say that I make it sound like he's the boogeyman, he's been under all of our beds. In many ways he has been. Um, but for you, what's your sort of opinion on the man? Um, where do you sort of stand on him? Do you rate him? Do you hate him? Do you tolerate him? What's your opinions on the man they call Nicolas Cage? I absolutely don't hate him. I, I love him. Uh, I am definitely a child of the 90s, which was peak Cage, you know, so all those action movies and everything in the 90s I love. So, of course, when you put someone as over at the top as Nicolas Cage is in an already over the top film genres and like 90s actions, I mean, you just get gold. <laughs> and my personal favorite of those is Con Air because that's like the most 90s action, corny, funny action movie I've ever seen. I, I absolutely love it. It's probably my favorite movie, not because it's great, just because of just the cageness and the just the era it was in. So a very, very big fan of Nicolas Cage. Love to hear it. And I think I think when you ask someone for a favorite Cage film, I think Con Air always has to be in contention. It's absolutely it's so strangely timeless. Um who would have thought that an an airship full of uh, convicts and madmen would still be talked about you know 20 oh, yeah. 30, <laughs> 20 i mean 30 it's just like, you know the fact that he goes to prison for self-defense <laughs> and, and as a southern person i really appreciate that uh spot on southern <laughs> accent he does in that film it's those uh it's those attention to detail that he brings to a lot of absolutely his 
I think with Conair, I think he spent um, like two weeks in the uh, sort of the South of America just to pick up the accent to bring that authenticity. I think a lot of people might overlook the oh, accent. Oh, he but... nailed it. Trust me. I don't know if you can pick up on my sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Southern people were not thrilled with that accent. If he did spend all that time in the South, I think he was doing other stuff than listening to people talk. <laughs> Should have spent three weeks, not yeah. two weeks. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, two weeks was not enough. Wasn't wasn't enough time visiting down the south. No. I mean, we're saying that. I love it. I love when he got put down the bunny. Like, <laughs> oh, that was terrible, but I love this movie. <laughs> I suppose I've never thought about it really. So how it would, how a film like that would come across when you're, I guess, from the area as well. Yeah, I mean, so again, I, I imagine it's got to be like people you're from watching Mary Poppins back in the day and Dick 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 Van Dyke going, "Hello, Governor." <laughs> it's it's got to be on those same lines. I mean, spoiler. This isn't my real voice. I just put it on for the listeners. I actually sound like this. Which... Yeah, you want a cup of water? <laughs> it's a Tuesday bottle. Yeah, so I imagine it's, it's um, the same kind of thing when you see people doing horrible English accents in movies. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm going to get onto the accents in this one. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but, gosh, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. I guess very much from like a modern sort of social media TikTok perspective when the... um. I guess the American perception of the British accent is Tuesday, bottle of water. Yeah. Like, it's funny because I guess from my perspective, it's like, ah, I can kind of see it. It's dumb. We're dumb. We are dumb. We're a dumb nation of people. Um, you know. But also, it couldn't be further from the truth at all. Oh, I know. I'd absolutely, I know. I know. It's, it's hilarious. So, you know, I, I, I feel the same way when I see stuff with Southern accents where they just do a terrible job and just like, oh, we don't all sound like Forrest Gump, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you get that one film and yeah, it just ruins, it ruins a people. Like, we don't all talk like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it's around. <laughs> but not, not the majority. You know, the old, saying, the old saying, you can't see the forest for the gumps. Yeah, um, <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that. I like that one though. That is that is my gift to you. Thank you. You, you take that. You share it. I'm already uh, loving this podcast. <laughs> we're five minutes in, and we're making memories. We're making friendships. <laughs> That's right. Um, absolutely love to see it. Um, so when we were sort of discussing about um, what film to watch ahead of the episode and recording today. Um, we ended up settling on Outcast, this, um, I think, quite lesser-known Cage film in the midst of a, what was really... And as I've been saying on the podcast, 2014 was, um, how to put it, a bit of a year for Cage. Mm. Um, and this one, I think, flew under a lot of radars because it just wasn't really available outside of China for the longest time. Uh, was this one that you knew of before recording or watching the film today? I remember... I kind of knew about. It. I remember seeing the uh, the trailer back then because you know, of course, Hayden Christensen was in it too, and so he's got a little bit of a a, a name. I don't know about much of a pool as like Nicolas Cage, but people know mm-hmm. who he is. So I remember seeing the trailer, thinking when I saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, this this is I'm not gonna watch this. This looks terrible." <laughs> there's literally a part in the trailer when they, he goes to do a sword fight and you see one of the people's swords bend clearly using like a rubber sword and they didn't even edit it out. It's still at the trailer. So I was like, yeah, this is not going to be good. So I never did watch it. Cause I, you know, I was like, this doesn't look good. But, uh, and uh, so it, it was an experience watching it now. That's for sure. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's that uh, it's that rubber sword craftsmanship yeah, that really sticks. The detail <laughs> <laughs> that really sticks with you about about yeah. a flick like this. Um, I, I mean, for me, I I think for the well, I'd say all of his um, Nicholas Cage's twenty fourteen films, these were ones for me that. I just hadn't really heard of these are all mm-hmm. all ones that slipped under the radar for me i mean 2014 really it's a difficult year because you've got um you know rage that went sort of direct to video you've got mm-hmm. um outcast which was only really made even like a, it was a, a drop in the ocean that was mm-hmm. china left behind considered to be one of the worst films ever made and dying <laughs> of the light which had um all of its own behind-the-scenes drama mm-hmm. with the director and the producers as well. So um, I find it such an interesting parallel because I say before, 2013 is really an underappreciated year for Cage. You've got The Croods, The Frozen Ground. And yeah. I say it all the time, Joe, perhaps the most Joe underrated. Was yeah, Joe Absolutely. was amazing. I love that film. Absolutely. And I say it all the time, it's just incredibly underappreciated Cage film. Yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, I I feel I feel a sort of kinship on this when I potentially say I feel Joe was snubbed at award season. Absolutely. Well, I love everybody involved in that film. I've seen some other films there, but I really like generally thought like when I saw that, I was like, okay, Cage is back. This is going to be launching the new part of his career. This is the kind of movies he's going back to. <laughs> and then 2014 happened. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> full, it's a full start, I think they call it in the sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also I think that was the around the time he was having some serious money issues. So I'm sure that played a part in doing some of those films. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think Left Behind... Dang, that them- was... Oof, that was a hard one to... <laughs> Like, like I still, I, you know, it's it's films like that that make me wonder why a po- why I thought a podcast like this would be a good idea. Yeah, and committing absolutely <laughs> maybe two years of my life to this absolutely. endeavor. Um, but it, it, it definitely with Joe, and like I sort of hope, especially now, um, with all the accolades and the attention that a film oh, yeah. like Pig is getting. Yeah, good but, film by the way. If you haven't seen it yet, it's really good. Oh, no, I think uh, for us in the UK, we're recording this on the seventh of August, twenty twenty-one. It's still two weeks out for us. So, oh, okay. Um, so I, I, I very nearly accidentally spoiled it for myself because I was just sort of clicking around on the Wikipedia filmography. Didn't realize the whole plot's been put on there. And I was like, yeah. oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, it's really good though. When yeah, whenever you get a chance, you'll you'll enjoy it. It's one of the best things he's done in a while for sure. And it's very it's very heartening, especially when you know. It's it's the ultimate contrast. We talk about sort of the trash year that was 2014, but knowing there's that 2020-21 um, pig light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. know that it gets better for the man. Um, people saying it's the best role of his career. Yeah. He's 57 pumping out this. It's hopefully going to be an awards contention. Maybe the ghost of Joe will be quelled at last. Um, well, see, that's the thing about Nicolas Cage is he puts out so many films now Every now and then, and amongst of all those films, you get a, a great one like Joe or Mandy or Pig. Just sadly, Outcast was not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, 
Well, I suppose speaking of obviously like accolades and ratings, Rotten Tomatoes gives this a whopping four percent. I saw that. Um, there. <laughs> Who uh, was that four percent? What movie were they watching? Is what I. I don't know. I, I, I suspect it was the director Nick Powell. Yeah, it, it was yeah. Nicolas Cage and <laughs> the director. They put it on there. <laughs> I mean, the critical consensus said, and I quote, Oh, yeah. Unforgivably dull. Outcast fails to deliver virtually all of the goofy fun that should come from a movie starring Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen in ancient China. So, you know, when I think of Nick Cage, when I think of Hayden Christensen, when I think of ancient China, I think of goofy fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, it's not quite the film that was delivered here um and obviously we'll sort of, we'll break it down like bit by bit as we sort of go on but um you know you we were sort of talking off record you said you'd watch this film last night by the time the credits were rolling on this you know what was your sort of first thought as like it all, all came to an end and you processed that 90 minutes of ungoofy ancient chinese fun yeah. i thought i was hugely disappointed I mean, I knew I was going to be disappointed with the film going in, but I was huge. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how little Nicolas Cage was going to be in the film. Hmm, it felt like he sure. was only in the film maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And the movie is terrible, but it's not terrible because of him. When he is on screen, you know, he's Nicolas Cage. I mean, he's he's good. It, it's definitely not because of him. I, it, it was not enough of him, from my, my opinion. And Hayden Christensen was clearly just mailing that one in. <laughs> my man had no emotion uh first i think they dubbed his own voice over him he had like no emotion in his voice just felt like he was just reading every line instead of acting i, mean, I really put the film being as bad as it was on him and not enough cage and and you know what i would have to agree because when i was sort of watching the film um this was a real phone check kind of film where i found myself oh yeah I was I was just like I had my I was just checking my phone more than I was sort of watching the film, and it got to about um, I think it must have been about halfway through because I checked the running time when I was watching this, and it was about um, forty three forty four minutes, and my first thought was forty four minutes nothing has happened yeah. for forty four minutes <laughs> exactly, uh, and as exactly as you said. Um, Cage is in this film surprisingly little. He gets about um, five minutes at the start, if that, when mm. they're doing all the battle and the siege of that city, and then he sort of appears at the end, and it's kind of like you've got to sit through like uh, nearly an hour, really, yeah. of cageless, moping Hayden Christian just to <laughs> for to get to Nicolas Cage and. I think it's you know it's worth talking about Hayden Christensen because I think I can yeah. I can pick up some um, I mean things I think I can pick up some love for the man here but um, it, you just weren't feeling it in this one so to speak. No, like I said, it really felt like he wasn't feeling it either. Now, I, now <laughs> I kind of feel bad for him because I know he probably didn't think after being uh, Anakin Skywalker that this was the career path he was going to take. But I mean, still, man, give me something. I mean, act like you you you're still acting for a living you're probably making very good money you know compared to normal people i mean, give me a little something his his performance had no emotion i mean, nothing about it believable i didn't believe he, you know he's taking opium like you know just none of it rang true to me it just seemed like my man was like i just gotta show up for however long we're filming the day and then get the heck out of here 
I do not. It felt like he did not want to be there at all. No, it was such um, such an underwhelming turn from Hayden Christensen because, yeah. I mean, and he's going to be a guy, I think, no matter what he does, um, for better or worse, he's going to be lumped with Anakin Skywalker, Darth mm-hmm. Vader, for the, till the day he dies. That's going to be the role that people know him for. So Absolutely. I suppose you, I guess you come into stuff like this, and maybe you thought, oh, well, at least only the Chinese audience is going to see this, so I can kind of try and do something a bit different. Um, I think he thought nobody was going to see it. <laughs> He's like, this, oh, this is only going to be in China, so no one in America is going to see this. I ain't got to worry about it. Just an easy paycheck. I mean, I suppose if I was in that position, if I was in them, if I had the questions in conundrum, as I'm going to call it now, yeah. and I'm like, look, um, don't worry about the global, you know, the national reception. Only China's going to get this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some podcast's going to discuss it in like ten years. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. They're small fry. Don't worry about Daryl. Don't worry about him. He's not even on the radar yet. <laughs> um, but definitely phoning it in, and you know, he's got he got this sort of classic Hollywood good looks. You expect like a good oh, yeah. leading role from him, and he's a guy like I've got nothing against. Obviously, you don't no, see, no. Um, you never really see a lot of him because he doesn't tend to do a lot of. Respectfully, big movies or big mm-hmm. television roles. I know he's coming back for the Obi Wan Kenobi series when that comes out next yeah, year. Yeah, I was surprised about that. With you know how negatively he he's been received over the years, I was surprised that they were bringing back. But maybe this will be his chance to you know you know prove everybody wrong. <laughs> you know, do what you can because I suppose when did those those OG prequel trilogies? That was like what two thousand oh, early two thousands two thousand. I want to say like two thousand two. I think was the first one. Maybe, uh, yeah, Attack of the Clones two thousand and two when he was getting all these Teen Choice Award nominations. Yeah. And okay, we got one Golden Raspberry Award for worst supporting <laughs> actor there, but you can't have it all. Um, That's my thing. I, I I you know at the end of the day, I don't think he's really that good of an actor because. His he's kind of the same in everything he does. You know, he's not really high or low. He's just kind of right there in the middle. So I think he, for me, he seems kind of in everything I've seen, but hard to relate to. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think he's one of those, or I suppose really to give it more context, I guess there are certain actors that you get where, uh, I, I guess you know what you're getting with them, and mm-hmm. that's not, never necessarily no, no, um, yeah. a bad thing. Sometimes that's what you go to the movies for. Like you want to see them in this particular role. I but agree. I suppose um, with Hayden Christensen, and again, I say this respectfully because you know I won't act like I've seen every movie that he's been in. But I think with the ones that we know him for, it's been very much you underestimate my power, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and just. Just a bit sleepy. Um, like I just don't. It seems like he wants to be anywhere else, but you know where he's at. <laughs> just looking at his filmography now, apparently he was an episode of Goosebumps in '97 as well. Oh, and, he uh, must have been a young little kid when that happened. Night of the Living Dummy Part Three. I think I had that on VHS actually. Well, so, well, even uh, after you know, after uh, Star Wars, they still tried to put. He was in some like Jumper. I remember that, that movie with Samuel Jackson. And then uh, he was in that Takers movie with uh, that heist movie with like I think Paul Walker was in it. Uh, yeah, I guess they just you know people just didn't really take to him. No, in fact, I you think... got so many people just unfairly, but just because of Star Wars, they just hate him. 
Yeah, I think you know with it, with the prequel trilogy, that's its whole mm-hmm. own um, you know Star Wars fan base, and that's a oh, fan yeah. base that can get very very toxic. Um, as the new trilogy of films, you just look online and you see some of the hate the actors get in that. Oh yeah. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder, you know, did is he still, you know, are people still angry about um, Attack of the Clones? You know, we get well, it, then, sand uh, is coarse and it gets everywhere, but we're over sand now. It's been twenty years. Yeah. Uh, let the man live. Well, that poor kid that played him as a child in the first one, I mean, it ruined his life. I saw the whole thing because so much hate and he received. And I mean, every time he opened up any social media, he, he's just like, you're terrible. You're oh, it just ruined this poor kid's life. I was like, God, it's, people it's are all crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I guess like you put yourself in that, that kid's shoes, especially you think like, oh man, it's like Star Wars is coming back. I've got the opportunity to be part of the biggest yeah. franchises in cinematic history. This is going to launch my career. And then like a month later, kill yourself, you stupid kid. And like, <laughs> that's, and like, that's like... It's terrible. 20... I'm like, it's just a movie. Calm down, people. Yeah, I th- and I think that's maybe that's one of the things for Hayden as well. When, oh yeah, absolutely. When you're part of a franchise that's so big, so beloved, bigger than pop culture, and it's one of those things where... Everyone, the fans of it are so passionate about it, so dearly passionate that they all have their own ideas of how the ending should be and what these mm-hmm. journeys these characters should be on. And then, you know, you you, you sort of turn up and um, admittedly from my memory of Revenge of the Sith, I've not seen it in a long time. I remember some of the lines in that being so corny. Oh, yes. I remember, you know, I'm going to the cinema really excited because they've really amped up the, the final climactic huge lightsaber duel of Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin Skywalker. And um, Obi-Wan's like, Anakin, you are that little did. And then he's like, well, in my opinion, it's actually you who are a bad person, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, well, I think that's the scene that really showed what little range Hayden has because when you're supposed to be angry, you turned her against me. I'm like, Oh, this dude, <laughs> like nerd. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, uh, ain't nobody scared. Of, you know, that's supposed to be like, you see him making the full on turn to the dark side. I'm like, he just sounds like a whiny brat. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, Darth Vader sort of snapping at me straight into no. Like, <laughs> and there's me at 14 years old going, boo. Yeah. <laughs> I remember walking uh, out of the theater and I was just like, that was, that was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I waited 30 years. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> For that, but then. That's one of those franchises, like, I, I just pretend like only the ones in the 70s exist. <laughs> I think, a, I think a lot of people, it's four, five, six, and yeah. the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. As far yeah, as... <laughs> yeah, the Mandalorian, yeah. I'm saying, I was telling somebody about that the other day about Terminator. I was like, I only pretend like T1 and T2 exist. I, I ignore all the rest. <laughs> they didn't happen as far as i'm concerned <laughs> no that's that, that's that's the joy of the modern consciousness we just get to choose what we believe yeah exactly <laughs> um but i think i think more to the point definitely I'll um outcast <laughs> so yeah i'll take eight outcast this is really the launching pad that i need yeah um i think it's just you know again nothing against him i just don't think no, he no, has I that agree. that great a range and to carry mm-hmm. a film like this, which is, you know, as we've said here, like 50 minutes of kind of nothing yeah, um, until Nicolas Cage comes on and, ironically, sounds like the Mary Poppins perception oh, of the British accent. Oh, my goodness, accent. that accent, bro. Ooh, boy. Oh, that was geez. something. I mean, I think, we, I think, you know, we can't not talk about the accents. I mean, sort of rounding off oh, on Hayden terrible. here, I think apparently 
From an IMDb note I saw at least, he was meant to be Scottish, apparently. I did not pick that up at all. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he did. <laughs> no, no. My man just sounded as flat and plain. Like, well, we got to get up over that mountain by sunrise. Uh, I'm like, oh, get a little more enthusiastic about it there, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I like. I think uh, you know, if you had a friend that spoke like that, you your first thought would be, "Are you okay? Do you yeah. do you want to talk? Can I get some help?" I do. For yeah, you? you're depressed, man. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it was so because so there's like a little romance between him and the princess. I'm like, what on earth? does she see in him at this point to make her want to be <laughs> romantically involved with him? He's the most miserable human in this uh, world. This, Yeah. I mean, there's such, such little, I mean, I can't even say little, there's no chemistry. It's just, Oh my God. It was so forced. It's like, you know, he's a guy, yeah. she's a girl. They got to get together. In the words of Avril Lavigne, can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> um, he was an outcast. She was a princess. Can I make it <laughs> any more obvious? Like, oh, Lord have mercy. This is, this is it was something <laughs> Scottish. I definitely did not pick up on that. No, no. I mean, it's, I, I watched, I mean. Well, the whole, the, 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 talking about accents all too, everyone in this movie speaks English, like perfect English. And I'm like why the the chinese people aren't speaking chinese they're speaking perfect english yeah this is i, th I think you know we can definitely pin down on this film in the bullseye that there was some significant shall we say whitewashing oh in this yes, film sir. here yes, sir. there was um you know yeah, a dash of white savior here a little bit of the old whitewash rinse that for an hour on 30 degrees over there hang it out and you well, get like yeah, me and my brother noticed. Uh, so there's a scene at the beginning where they're attacking the uh, Middle Eastern people, and the Middle Eastern leader of the army is talking to his wife. And my, my my wife was in there. She's from the Middle East, and she was like, um, "That that woman is not Middle Eastern. That's a white woman with dark hair." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I think you're right. I think it is just a white woman with dark hair." I don't think uh, accurate casting was at the top of their concerns no absolutely not <laughs> yeah, anybody we can get uh <laughs> we spent most of our budget on hayden christensen and nicholas cage so we yeah. gotta make it work i mean you know only a 25 million budget and uh that's amazing 4. That 4. someone gave them 25 million dollars to make that <laughs> unbelievable it's you see some films like this and you think oh yeah how did you even get one million yeah. let's be honest it's <laughs> So, I mean, I, I don't know if, the, if this did have, um, say, any like, so Chinese finances. That's unreal. unreal. It's mad. It's mad. So, I mean, again, like, I don't know if, if there were any Chinese finances on this film. Because it got marketed Probably. fairly bigly. Bigly, he says that's a word. Fairly largely hey in China. Hey uh, it, we don't edit on this. What the hell? I say start uh, doing my Trump exit. Bigly. <laughs> that was his favorite word. <laughs> 25 billion China yes, budget. Yes, we're going to do Bigly. <laughs> Eddie Christensen, fantastic actor, so sad, so sad. The saddest that's actor. Good that's a good impression, man. The, the Brits doing a better impression of Trump than I can. I've had a lot of spare time. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, but I mean, I you see say. films like like uh, one of my favorite film franchises is The Raid. Have you ever seen those movies? Yes, sir. One and, and two. Each yeah. of those, the first movie was two million dollar budget, and the second one was a three million dollar budget, and they are way better films 
than this was at 25 million. Come on. It's mad. I don't know. We sort, you know, sort of bring up Joe again. I think the budget for that was only yeah. four million. Yeah, you know, that that was as, as as tight a budget as you're going to get with sort of oh, named actor in there. And something like this as well with the um the scale that this sort of film had because you know some credit, not complete credit, but some credit. I thought you know I thought some of the shots were good. I thought some yeah. of the scenery was great. Um, I, I thought, agree. You know, it wasn't, and I thought some of the choreography in the fight scenes. You know, I was expecting it to be garbage and just yeah. like <laughs> almost well, thought, modern day Steven Seagal just yeah. going. Oh. I thought that might be the one decent thing because I saw where the um, uh, the director was a big stunt guy, like he'd done a lot of stunt chore- yeah. choreography and stuff like that. So I was like, well, maybe the action will be like the one good part about this movie. Definitely, I suppose, director Nick Powell, I mean, as you said, he's mostly known as a stuntman, stunt coordinator. I think over 100 credits in the stunt mm-hmm. world to his name, at least. Um, this was his sort of directorial debut. Um, he would also work on the 2019 Cage Flick Primal, so got that to look forward oh, to. Oh, okay. Um, but I guess for English listeners, not to be confused with the English football soccer player Nick Powell, who plays midfield for Stoke City. So Yes, him. <laughs> It's a it's a big joke we have down here in the allotments. We're always the the Nick Powell gag. Oh, (laughs) it's a verified thigh slapper over here. Um, Let me tell you, Um, you know, uh, bottle of water for Nick Powell, and then you know we're patting each other on the back. We're high fiving. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like some tea and crumpets? <laughs> Nick Powell loves his ground. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to get real, like, you want to be one of the lads, you're like, uh, 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 that's the mating call yeah. of the British lad. <laughs> it's like the Manchester guys. They'll talk. I'm like, I know you're speaking English, but I did not catch a word of that. <laughs> Neither did I. And I don't live that far from Manchester. <laughs> um, Manchester, I, I will sound balanced. Lovely, lovely city. Okay. Yes, I'm sure. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> he says rolling his eyes cancel him <laughs> um, um but yeah i thought a lot of the choreography was was good as well but yeah it but, wasn't bad uh but I, I think i suppose just circling back to the original point here as we said you would have never guessed that hayden christensen was supposed to be scottish in no, this film absolutely um, it, it was just like you know my child's first performance of like Mary Poppins at the theater. So just focus on remembering your lines. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want my sword back. Um, I felt like someone was holding up cue cards for him. He was just reading his lines. <laughs> is what it felt like. <laughs> Quiet this is on what the you say, Hayden. The blue, the blue words are your lines. <laughs> Quiet. Hayden needs to read. Um, <laughs> exactly what it felt like. It felt like he was reading to me. It's just, it was just so emotionless. Ah, uh, I think I made a note here of I think one of my favorite interactions, and this is when. Um, this is maybe 20 or 30 minutes into the film where this point he has, um, he's got Princess Leanne with him, uh, Princess, uh, Prince Jow, I should say, and they might have rescued that other child, uh, Jow Lei, for no reason. They're just rescuing yeah. the child. Um, and then the, the by a campfire, and then one of these things with Jacob, his character, is that, um, he is a opium fiend. He mm. just loves these little, like, rocks of opium. I don't know what he does with them, where he deposits them, but he's always high on them. 
Uh, but then Leanne sort of throws the opium into the fire because she needs him on point. She's got to be the defender whilst they're... Yes, because withdrawals aren't a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not in ancient China, I, I will have <laughs> they you They had know. an ancient Chinese secret to get rid of those withdrawals. I'm... I mean, for the you know, for for the lack of accuracy and the whitewashing, they might oh, yeah. as well have whitewashed withdrawals out of there yeah. as well. Yeah. Good point. Um, but they have they have this kind of weird interaction when I think I think he slurs something just like because his opium's gone, and then the answer's um, do not judge my life when you you know nothing of being a woman, and then he lies down and says, "I'm sorry, a princess is a woman too," and then goes to sleep. Yes. I was like, uh Yeah, that whole thing seemed like on my level, I guess, talk about, we were talking about my podcast, and it, it was just like, we got to prove that we're woke, too. We got we to gotta get the ladies involved. <laughs> so she goes on a whole spiel about how it's hard because he said, you know, he just said, uh, oh, yeah, your life must be hard as a princess. I can't remember the exact line he says. It's something along those lines. And she goes into this whole spiel about just because I'm a princess doesn't mean my life is easy. I'm still a woman. And goes into legitimate reasons of why I'm sure back then being a woman was hard, but it just seems so like forced in there and out of place. This whole speech, like, what does this have to do with anything? I don't. I mean, yeah, being a woman is tough. Why are we talking about it at this point in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, from from my perspective, it's kind of like you know, if they'd made more of a deal that she had had to go through more hardships than anyone else in in the group, then. You know, maybe that interaction would have been warranted, yeah. but it kind of it kind of felt like this was just the writer saying like I don't even know if it was if it was, if it was like box ticking, it's just like, okay, we've just gotta let it be known. Yeah. It did. It did. Yeah. yeah, I think pandering is is just the right word for that. It just felt like let's have one line of dialogue just so we know that, you know, we're not we're not all that bad. We've got hey, some, ladies, we've got... we got your back, ladies. We <laughs> <laughs> got you. Yeah, it just it just felt very forced and pandering into just like the, the current times we're in, not legitimate of her struggles. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would I would absolutely yeah. agree. Um the writer James Dormer, I think this was his first and today only um feature that he has Shocking. penned. <laughs> Mostly TV work. Um I think a lot of uh maybe UK TV shows as well. Oh, yeah, um, maybe that's where he's from. Um, I think he hasn't done any of the good ones, has he? Because y'all do have some amazing shows over there. So surely he's not been a writer on like Luther or something like that. <laughs> he no. hasn't been on one of the great shows y'all have. No, he's, he's uh, we're not letting him near Luther, not yet. <laughs> um, Zad Wallander, Spooks, uh, Musketeers, an episode there. There was an ITV series about Beowulf. Um, oh. these are kind of the, I think I these know are the largely, Wallander that's the only one of those I know I think that's probably arguably the biggest one there yeah. that, that, debatable debatable yeah. I think a lot of these shows are ones that I think his n- script for that episode was probably heavily revised <laughs> <laughs> I, he gets I, a credit but we had a lot of red ink on that one <laughs> I mean the, the, it, what got handed in was 60 red pages uh, and, and a tipex note saying just well, stop that's the thing though you never know like the script might have been great and then by the time all these different people get their hands on it and then the director and everything else it just bleh. yeah i, mean, I, mean, I doubt it but <laughs> never know i want to give them a little bit of credit yeah. <laughs> i mean obviously you know with, with the whole hollywood machine and the way it operates you know 
the film we get at the end is very yeah. often not the film that was started out to begin with. And I think uh, 2014 especially is very um, uh, evident of that. Oh, yeah. The cage especially. Um, but the only other note I have about sort of the the Scottish accent, which um, I still can't get over, he was supposed to be doing a Scottish accent. <laughs> I mean, this is the... do not hear that at all. No, and I I think even like you know your native Scottish speaker or someone who's lived there the whole life would be like, that's a disgrace, man. Um, <laughs> Sean Connery is rolling over in his grave here and now. He, he's Scottish rolling. Exit. He is rolling so quickly. He's powering a wind turbine somewhere right now. Um, I can just hear that. I will um, say, quick side note: talk about Sean Connery in accents, though. When he yeah. was supposed to be a Spaniard in Highlander, and he's still doing his Scottish accent. It's it, it's the, the Highlands of Spain, Zachary. Come on, come on! Don't embarrass yourself like this, man. So I just was like, you. Yeah. But Scotty, I would if you'd paid me money the guess which accent he was trying to do never in a million years would have said Scottish. <laughs> Not no. even point. No. There was just, just a note saying he practices Scottish characters. No, sir. Um, apparently constant fainting by going on a week long pub crawl in Glasgow. I mean, that's to me is like you got paid something early and yeah, you go get drunk, bent it. Um, drink away this movie. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, if he's trying to convince me he did work on that Scottish accent, I call lies. That is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> you did not, sir. I'll put all the money I don't have in my oh, bank yeah. account Absolutely. on the table. I'm did betting not on, happen. I'm betting the house that he did not work. No, no, no. <laughs> on that accent, um, he went to Scotland and got drunk for a week. Is what happened. I mean, I, I don't feel like any point in it, uh, that him and Cage spoke about their accents. And, you know, I think Cage, more than he comes across, I think he is quite self-aware. I think he does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he does know what's going on. He does have a sense of, like, space and the scripts and stuff. Um, but with this, it just felt like Cage also said, yeah, you know, this accent's fine. Fuck it. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, I've said it before, sometimes I think you need a good director to know when to rein him back in as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think that happened here. No, um, no. I mean, how is he? I mean, you got Nicolas Cage, one of the most, you know, famous actors of all time, and a stunt guy directing his first movie. I, you know, who's going to win those arguments, you think? It ain't going to be the director. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't in this case. No, sir. Um, I mean, you know, sort of finishing off on Hayden and moving on to Cage, I found an interview. There was like, I think only one or two real interviews you can find promoting this film. Um, and it was for um, some, some Chinese network. I'm not sure of the name of it. Um, but Nick Cage was talking and he said that he felt that he and Hayden Christensen would be a good match on camera. And um, sort of paraphrasing Cage's words here. Um, he said of Hayden Christensen that he had, and I quote, that sad thing going on that I've always been accused of having in my eyes. Um, so on the basis, they've okay. both been accused of being sad. Um, <laughs> I bet I bet Hayden Christensen is definitely sad. <laughs> that's, oh, just his, yeah. that's just his aura. That's just his yeah. energy that he's putting out. He's like, I was in Star Wars. Now I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, how sad. 
you know, we can't we can't chase that dragon forever, you know. No, we, no. We, we can't chase that dragon forever. But Hayden would say that working with Cage was thrilling and one of the highlights of his career. So, I believe not it. all bad. Not yeah, all. I mean, I believe just being in the room with Nicolas Cage is probably very interesting and fun, especially when he's acting like that. It's got to be a pleasurable experience. Definitely. And, I, and this is something I've noticed about Cage before. I think even though... You know, 2014 at this point, this would have been like his third decade in the business, yeah. acting since like 81, 82. Um, and he's someone, you know, he doesn't think he's bigger than the craft. He doesn't see himself as an A-lifter. He sees himself as a student of the game. And even with films, say, like Kick-Ass, he's always excited with, like, I guess a younger cast member because he's like, I still want to learn what the new generation are learning as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can instill some wisdom back. So, um Whatever wisdom he passed on to Hayden, I don't think he was listening. I think he was too busy having a little sad sleepy. <laughs> it, um, <laughs> in, yes, in, definitely. In, in this one. But, uh, you know, this brings us on to Cage, obviously. And, uh, you know, something we touched on earlier with that, um, there is a significant lack of Cage yeah. in this movie. Very uh, much so. Because like I said, the movie is bad. It's terrible. But not because of Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the scenes here in are by far the, the best scenes of the film. And yeah. they're the most, you know, emotionally, you know, of the film. And so, I mean, they did, I don't know why they did such a disservice of having him in the film so little. Yeah. And I mean, when you've got, you know, Cage, who, let's be, let, let's face it, is a bigger name than Hayden Christensen, like 10 times over, the fact that he maybe had. I don't even know here, like 50. I mean, I don't think he got any more than 20 minutes of screen time. No, absolutely this. not. Yeah, no way. Um, but I think know. it was a lot of that. I think it was just, we're going to pay, because I'm sure he got paid a large sum of money, just so we can say Nicolas Cage is in this movie, to market it. And like, yeah. look, you only got to be in the movie for 20 minutes, just a couple of days of shooting. Because it couldn't have taken more than that to do the 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 shoot the scenes he's in i mean had it only taken a couple of days because he's hardly in the movie yeah so we're gonna pay you a couple million dollars just for like two or three days work i mean this this was this was an no doubt this was an easy paycheck movie surely for as far as you know i think hayden christensen and nicholas cage i'm gonna guess cage got a bigger bigger slice of the pie on this one But you know, for a film like this, you are laughing. That's that's another dinosaur bone in the collection mm-hmm. that you're buying right there. Um, well, I think that's like you know, because I think they knew Nicolas Cage is because even in the billing, he gets top billing, sure. and he's yeah. not in the movie nowhere near as much. So I think they were like, you know, clearly Nicolas Cage is a bigger draw than Hayden Christensen. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with why he's in the movie to begin with. I mean, you know, he's got top draw and it reeled suckers like me and I fell for yeah, it. So yeah, me too. Well done. You got me. Well yeah, done. Had I known he was only in the movie <laughs> 15, 20 minutes, I would have picked something else. <laughs> you <laughs> made like, your was, bed. Yeah, I know. I was like, man, this, that was... Because like I said, when he's in the movie, it's classic Nicolas Cage. Like when he's telling a story, so he has like a... In the first part of the movie, you see him fighting with Christian. And then later when you see him, he's like missing an eye and... He's married to a Chinese woman. And we used to tell him like the story of how he lost his eye. And now the, the guards cut out his wife's tongue. It was classic mm. cage. You know, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I think 
you know, maybe it's, you know, having watched too many Cage films, but I think the only sort of immediate thing I picked up on was that his character in this and his character's motivations are uh, eerily similar to his character in Season of the Witch from 2011. Uh, Both Mm -hmm. Crusaders, both have had enough of bloodshed, both are sick of being told that this is all part of um, God's crusading plan. You know, it's, 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 um, you know, we swing the blade, it's not the men who are telling us to do it. Uh, I think the only difference is that in Season of the Witch, there was a witch and a plague. In this one, the plague's Hayden Christensen's attitude. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, you know, I think my first note on sort of Cage, because he comes like riding in, he's got that giant sort of George's cross shield, he's blocking arrows. Mm-hmm. But he's got that kind of jarring, long, tied back hair. And maybe this is a niche reference, <laughs> yeah, but to me... Was- he looked like Spaghetti from Tim and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know whose decision that was. It was not a good look. <laughs> and, but then somehow Hayden Christensen has like a 2021 fade going on. <laughs> He's ahead before, of his time. Before razors time. are even invented. Somehow this dude's got a nice fade going on. Like a nice fade, I think he's in. He's got a bit of stubble, you know. He's got like a particularly <laughs> yeah. sharp rock that he carves himself with. I guess, yeah. Like, how did he get his hair like that in this in the medieval times? <laughs> there are many questions, you know, that this oh this gosh. film you, is not yes. serving answers to in any no, way, not at all, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Um, but you know, we talk about Cage's accent as well, and you know, I know we've sort of joked about oh, it, yeah, but it, yeah. it literally is oh, the, it. the Mary Poppins. Um, Hello, accent. Governor. It's, it's, like, it's there. It's like you've you've got the blood last there, Jacob. You've got to stop your stabbing. All the they, kids are dead. They cut out my eye and took my wife's tongue. <laughs> she used to be the greatest yodeler of the cave she did <laughs> yeah, admittedly I that. cut it out because she was annoying me but oh the black guard uh, oh, sorry about that that is alright I mean but uh, yeah so I mean that's literally he's full on that's why I said he's by far the best part of the movie because he's like there you go classic cage uh, it's like a, it just takes so long to get back to cage and then when he, he gets back, you know, you find out Cage is now um what do they call him? They're called the White Ghost. The White Ghost. Yeah, he's he's the White Ghost. He's had his own sort of side story off yeah. over there. And I don't know if I missed this. Like I don't know um if there's a particular reason that Jacob and Ghislaine end up in China because obviously you, you get the start and they don't. Get... That's that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> they never ever how both of them ended up in China. They did because they go their own separate ways after the fight at the beginning, and they both somehow end up in China. Yeah, they, they never explain it. Yeah, you get that sort of that very sort of tenuous one line link where Jacob's like you know he's got like a. Let's be honest, he's got a raging hard on for Crusade and he loves it. He's all oh, in. Yeah. He's um that is who he is. Uh Ghislaine is like, you know, um I made an oath to your father. I did stop <laughs> yeah. it now. And then Jacob's I owe like him a life oath. <laughs> I like ecking kids, I do. I'll keep doing it some more. Um and then he releases like, well, he's just like, Well, Ghislaine, you're a puss, so you oath's broken, you go off. Yeah. And then um, we all completely inexplicably meet up in China because in China. reasons in a indeterminate <laughs> what a coincidence of time. <laughs> that they both ended up in China. <laughs> 
I think if they just added a line like, what are the odds? And then I'd be yeah. like, you know what? This movie is safe. This is a 50% movie, not a 4%. Um, and then like somehow Hayden Christensen knows he's in China because when they're in trouble and he sends the girl and the boy off while he's fighting. So he's like, go to these. He knew that he was there. I'm like, how did he know Nicolas Cage was there and he was the white ghost? It made no yeah. sense. Yeah, just a lot of very convenient pieces start oh, yeah, fitting yeah. into place. Like, don't question it, just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's been, I think, as I said earlier, it's like nearly 50 minutes of nothing happening. They oh go to the desert city of um, uh, Jingxiao, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. So that, I think to take shelter. I don't really know why they went there. Um, I don't either. But <laughs> that's kind of this for me. Like, okay, Makes so they no did sense. this. You can sum this film up and say, okay, they did this. I'm not sure why they did it. And then they did this for unexplained yeah. reasons for another 15 minutes. Then Cage showed up. And then they also did this. I'm not sure why. And then it ended. Um, yeah, it, absolutely. Just, Perfectly put there. That's, that sums it up. <laughs> like, right I, hate that, I hate that you can sum films up like this. But look, yes. I'm, just, I'm just a scum-sucking consumer. Sue me. Yeah. Um, and then there was that bit, you know... At, and this is kind of basically the context of the meeting cage. They've gone to this desert city, I think, to take refuge. They're taken in by a bastard woman called says. Annika, uh, played by Angela Diaz-Boltz. Again, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and then sort of uh, Princess Leanne and the prince and the other girl taken to another room. Jacob is plied with drinks and food and this like <laughs> harem of beautiful women. Oh, yeah. You see what's coming uh, 10 miles away. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, what did you put in my drink? He passes out. And then Annika suddenly like, um, oh, I was going to get some good coin for you. Like, I was like, what is going on? And then he just replies, I already have a mistress. And he punches her in the face. Out of it, like this is all out of nowhere. It's just giving me like um, Wicker Man cage in a bear suit hitting women oh, flashbacks. Yeah. And it was so jarring and unexpected that I, you know, I'll put my hands up and say it got a huge laugh out of me. But in one of those, oh, when he the, punches her, it just, she just, she's completely unarmed. She's like, look, you know, it's nothing personal. There was just some good coin here. Right jab to the face. She's down like a sack of shit. No questions asked. And it was so out of nowhere that I was yeah. like, what the fuck am I yeah, watching? I, I guess they were. She was gonna double cross and sell out the uh, boy and the princess to the black guard, but I, she was gonna. It seemed like she was gonna cut Hayden Christensen in. But why? So, but didn't. But you drugged him earlier, and also you must have thought he wasn't gonna join in. <laughs> so, and then you tie him up. They did that classic thing instead of just killing him. Let's tie him up and. Tie his hands in front of him so he can fight still. <laughs> Don't tie his hands behind his back. Let's keep him in front so he can fight. Yeah, I know. It's just that. like, so she was double crossing, but then she thought he was going to take the coin with her, but they drugged him. It just, that whole, first of all, I would have just cut that whole scene out or just been like, hey, they found you. You know, cut this weird stuff out with this woman. <laughs> it made no sense. Yeah, I mean, it would have made more sense if they just cut that whole, like, Zed story out. And the lady who played Annika was some of the worst acting I've ever seen. Oh, it Lord was so... You know, I, I know we were sort of t- were joking about Hayden Christensen here, but he looks like a million bucks oh, yeah. compared to... He was like know. Daniel Day-Lewis compared to her. 
<laughs> you know, I think the acting was so bad that Hayden Christensen actually punched her in the face for real <laughs> yeah. because he was offended. It's like, no, but the see, blue also, lines are had, mine. Can't they had those. already bribed her with a bag of gold to take them in. She gets, she gives them safe passage going in. The black guard is searching, looking for the boy, and she bribes it. Why not turn them over then? Yeah, if that's your plan is to sell them out to the black guard to get do it right then. <laughs> it's like why are you why this whole charade of drugging him and all this do it right there no the you're looking for the princess and the prince he's they're right there right there behind us <laughs> so like literally like we've taken out the one person <laughs> <Yeah>. defending them <laughs> like no sense. No, if that was your plan the whole time <laughs> do it now you just give me my coin we all go on our way it's like like look this film isn't long enough we got to add about 20 more minutes we've it, we've, so. we've just got to add like a whole thing a it's whole like they were thing. making it up on the fly <laughs> i think i think they were but <laughs> like, like again you know we get some more fight scenes and there's some stunts he jumps off a roof into they're a they're not barn. terrible yeah the, uh, some of it is pretty decent I think from what I saw from the interview I watched as well, um, apparently Hayden Christensen did like a lot of his own fight stunts as well. So I mean, credit where credit's due there. Yeah. I suppose he's got he's got the lightsaber training in his back catalogue as well. But that's sword the thing too. Actors always say that. And then you're like, how much of your stuff are you really doing? It seems like something <laughs> they all want to say. Like, well, really? Are you really doing the majority <laughs> of it? I mean, Hay- Hayden did allege in the same interview yeah. that... Um, there was a, a fight scene that they were filming and he took a sword between the eyes and was gashed open. But because he already had fake blood on his face, no one knew until they stopped mm. filming. Mm. Um, <laughs> I question the, the truth behind that statement. <laughs> <laughs> we are calling doubt on that one, <laughs> yes. sir. Mm, don't buy that one, Hayden. <laughs> you know, my, my suspension of disbelief will only stretch yeah. so far. I'm quite stretched out. Yeah, Thank you. my thing is, if you're not, if your name isn't Jackie Chan, I don't believe you when you say you do all your own <laughs> stunts and stuff. Like, no. So no, I think we're gonna, we're just, gonna, we're all gonna have a timeout. Think about yeah, what we said. Every time you see a movie, an actor that's in an action movie, they always claim that. I, yeah, I did, I did all my own stunts and fighting scenes. Yeah, you just like, need. Mm. You just did like a 10 second shot of them in like a black t shirt and shorts, just in yeah. front of like backstage somewhere, hooked up to 100 wires, hooked up to a wire, <laughs> just in front of like a crash mat, just like, oh, just another crazy day on the set. Whoa, doing my own um, stunts over here. You know, I mean, hope you know, obviously, Cage did his own stunts because that's just the kind of guy that he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think he did any of his stunts in this film. It doesn't He's matter, sitting that... for the majority of it, though, but he does hey, come it back. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter that he would have been like 50 years old when they filmed this. That's true, yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, but at this point, this is sort of post all the, the fight scenes and the chasing and the unknown woman's been punched for some reason. They've oh, so weird. They've they've paddled their boats, um, and then some reason we have to accept, you know, that uh, two children can out paddle two boats full of like uh, fully armed trained guards. Fine, whatever. Well, Maybe it's too, a choppy water. I don't. Know. They had like a huge lead on these guards. They've been in the water the whole time, supposedly paddling while Hayden's fighting them. And then next thing you know, the guards are right on their tails. Like they just got in the boats and they're already immediately right right here. <laughs> the lack of like detail and common sense that no one questioned this stuff is amazing. 
Yeah, there, there was a part like very shortly after this, and this is when um, Lian, um, Zhao, and Zhao Li are—they're running through the forest, they're being chased by the Black Guard, mm-hmm. and this is when. Um, it was kind of a bit confusingly edited because I wasn't quite sure what was happening, but I think we find out that it's basically Cage's squad are sort of yeah. silently taking out the Black Guard. And then um, Zhao Li, and this is the girl who they saved from uh, the Black Guard burning down their little encampment. She was the only survivor. He did like a, a sick bow shot. Um, a ridiculous bow shot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> physically yeah. impossible bow shot. <laughs> A, a physics-defying yeah. one in a I billion. Mean, I think shot. for the minute, Hayden Christensen was shooting that arrow in the Matrix. Uh, <laughs> Look, gravity. It's, it's not his fault that he could see the code, and you can't, man. You know, <laughs> I I'm, not, so. I'm not here to take science. I'm just calling it how I'm so saying when it. The, but... When the little boy's like, "How'd you do that?" And like, uh, it was impossible, man. <laughs> or sheer luck. <laughs> he, he should have like tap tap tap. Yeah. None of your business. <laughs> that opium <laughs> <laughs> like let me tell you for, for everything opium takes away it gives so much yes, more yes um the drug of true warriors <laughs> outcast sponsored by opiates <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's probably where they got that 25 million dollar budget <laughs> that, that that opiate that's good money man that's good yeah. money um Crazy. i uh, i wouldn't know um mm. So, yeah, but the, the bit that annoyed me is, like, they're all running away from the Black Guard, and then for no reason, um, uh, Zhao Lei just runs off to the left yeah. for no reason. <laughs> you know, they're quite clearly we're running straight because the guards behind us were running straight. It's our clear line of sight to run straight, and she stops and's like, I'm going to go right. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then no two explanation. seconds later, she is captured, and rightfully so. Um, and the fact she wasn't executed on the spot is quite infuriating, actually, because you really let the side down. I'm going to say it should have been should have been sent, uh, you know, speed. Well, she brought she brought absolutely nothing to the movie. Like you think once they captured her, well, now she's going to be another main character of this film, and she's going to bring some. Literally, she has like that one conversation with the prince, and mm-hmm. then she really doesn't speak anymore. You never no, really no. hear from her anymore after that. No, it's like they save her sort of post bow shot, and then the camera shot weirdly makes a whole point of like not showing her face for like a minute. Like you just see the back of her sort of like yeah. crawling backwards because she's still startled and scared, understandably. But as you said, you know, they have that one um, conversation where she's talking to the prince, she's like, Oh, the Black Guard have done this, and he's like, "Well, when I'm the prince, I'm going to make sure this yeah. doesn't happen." Just like, "Well, blah blah, you and I are not the same," and it's like, "I'm poor, it, you're rich." That's it. It was like another sort of force thing, like with the, with the you know, it's hard being a woman conversation at the campfire. Mm-hmm. Just say, "Look, we've ticked off the box to say that we understand what women going through in ancient China, and we've got <laughs> our line in here to sort of you know, um, touch upon the class divide." of um, this Chinese dynasty as well, this empire. And then, as far as I'm concerned, I was one satisfied customer. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I agree. I guess also we should probably say, because we haven't, the whole reason the Black Guard is chasing them is because the emperor of China, whatever, is old. the the prince that's on the run is the emperor's son that he decides you're going to be the next emperor. So the older son is like, oh, hell no, I don't like this. And he yeah. kills the dad, 
tells the guard that the little boy <laughs> killed him and ran off. And that's why they're all chasing them because the brother wants him killed so he can be the emperor, the new emperor king or whatever. All about I, thought, I think we forgot to say that. And I was like, oh, you know what? Very true and very well brought up. So, um, you know, and now you know why we're sitting through this. Um, <laughs> but you forget stuff like that because you're like, because the rest of the movie, you're like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, you know, the main thing that's happening, but everything else, you're like, what is happening here? Yeah. And I suppose actually bringing that back up, it kind of makes me just sort of rethink. And I kind of thought this at the start of the film as well, because obviously the first bit we get of the film is the crusade, that siege in that Arab city. Yeah. And then we're getting almost a completely different film about, um, you know, a royal family in China yeah. and the, the the disputes between the family of who is going to take the throne. Um, and then suddenly um, these characters from a completely different movie that are Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen show up yeah. to be white saviors and save the day and bring order back to the Chinese empire. Um yeah, I really thought when I first saw it, it was going to be a movie about the Crusades. Yeah, you would be forgiven for thinking so. Yeah, and then like you're like, okay, we're not even in Europe or nothing. We're in China now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Crusades didn't happen there, so I don't know what the heck is happening now. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You would be forgiven if you only saw, like, you know, up until, you know, the first credit roll, the opening credit roll, for thinking this was a film about the Crusades. It really isn't. It's about no, two characters who are in the Crusades and now and just on. This is what feels like if this was a book series. This feels like it would have been like book three in a seven book series or something. <laughs> like okay, you've given me like chapter one of book one, but now we're in book three. I feel there's a there's a season of television yeah. <laughs> missing here. Yeah. Um, um. Obviously, you know, as we said, um, like how did they get to China? <laughs> Why are you here and why are you just They were like... in the Middle East the last we saw them. Now they're in China for some reason that, that we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, Kay just got one eye and the tongueless wife, Hayden Christensen's moping around high on opiates, dressed like goddamn Van Helsing over here. Oh um, my gosh, yes. Getting wrapped up in adventures that do not concern them, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, even for Cage, he's kind of like almost shoehorned back into the film yeah, um, because he saves them, and then he Hayden Christian passes out because reasons, um, and then this is when we get Cage back, and mm -hmm. it takes about fifty minutes, and you know this is what you know we've been, you know, beating around the bush here, but this is when the film feels like it gets a bit more life because yeah, of Cage. Like finally, Nicholas Cage is back <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> exactly, and I think the the for me. The greatest line of the film here, you know, um, Hayden's in this kind of like post-surgery sweats in a lying down in bed, having a bit of a conversation, trying to be like, oh, you know, Ghislaine, uh, you know, I just want to talk. And then he's, um, I think he's sort of berating him for bringing the black guard to their doorstep and Cage says, mm -hmm. black guards are thick as flies and a farting goat's ass. Um, <laughs> which is the best line of the movie, maybe many movies that I've watched recently. He's holding snakes for some reason too. You don't they never really <laughs> just holding snakes. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's waving that snake up and down Jacob in the same way you you um wave like a metal detecting bat on at an airport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, and then, then he, you know, next time you see him, he's not holding snakes no more. You're like, okay. So I want to see more snakes. I want to like, see more. Why was he snake. holding snakes? I don't know. And this is, I mean, that is kind of like a big question though, because there's like, he, he very, very, very briefly addresses what he was doing in, I don't know, the time skip, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, he says that he was a merchant for a time, but the black guard sort of knocked it down. Then he got married to his wife. Um, as I said, he's lost her tongue. He had like his sort of right eye, one of his eyes sort of like slashed. Yeah. Um, and now he's apparently leading a rebel force in the mountains, which is never yes. addressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, has a very nice new hairdo. He's let his hair down now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is very, he went full Chinese <laughs> with the uh, air dude. He's embraced the culture. He's embraced the <laughs> yes, locality of his surroundings. He he's, sure did. He's apparently cultivated a nice community full of uh, various. Well, that's what I said. They say they're bandits or whatever, but you see like no signs of that. Like you don't see like the loot they've stolen or uh, anything like that. It just looks like. <laughs> people living in the woods i think they were very early into their operation <laughs> yeah they I just think... I, I just become the white ghost it took me a long time just to spread that name around and now now we'll start doing bandit stuff no they had about 10 years of a big marketing campaign and now they were really capitalizing yes, now, off that start ghost. robbing <laughs> that white ghost mythos there um but they have sort of the um that's another thing. They don't build up this white ghost throughout the movie. Like you're not hearing no. about the white ghost and all that. You think if he's that legendary, they would be talking about him. Like, oh, we're in these woods. Well, this is where the white ghost is at. You know, they never really talk about the white ghost till they get there. It's like you might as well have looked in the camera and just dead down the lens. Go, oh, by the way, I'm the white ghost. Wink. <laughs> yeah. Um, which you like know, this think- seems like something cool. We. We didn't think about till like we were almost done shooting. We're like, oh man, we should call him the White Ghost. <laughs> Give yeah. him a, this legendary reputation. It's like the prince calls Jacob like the White Devil. It's like I thought White Devils didn't bathe. It's like oh, okay, cool. I, yeah, I'm still yeah, thinking White Devil a few times, and I'm, it's accurate. It's, well, <laughs> it's like, you're, you suck. <laughs> he is the white devil <laughs> so Jacob's the white devil uh, Ghislaine is the white ghost yeah. um, these are names that you know just bestowed upon people with no context at this point just just take the force fed spoonful mm-hmm. that you're given um, also I like it this I like it well, when they get back together here Nicholas Cage they, Nicholas Cage does not like them because earlier when they were doing the crusades there was a scene where Hayden Christensen's you know, he's, he's got this bloodlust. He wants to kill them all. Yeah. And Nicholas Cage comes in and sees him in a room with a bunch of dead children whose, like, throats have been slit and women and children's throats have been slit. And he it's, assumes Hayden Christensen does it. Apparently, they never have a conversation about it. He's never like, why'd you kill these kids? And he's just like, oh, there he is. He killed, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> so he hates Hayden Christensen because he assumes over all these years that he killed these women and children. Mm-hmm. And so they have a little conversation. He's like, nah, the the mothers killed the children they killed themselves and Nicholas Cage was like well, all right <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's all is forgiven <laughs> it's it sounds like a lie though doesn't it like, no but yeah. you did you did but you did kill them though well, you I think did. it's like you couldn't say nothing back then like why'd you kill these women and children but like, I didn't the mom's kill- oh no we're gonna wait 
20 years or however long. They never say that either. It's like, look, uh, Hayden Christensen, I know your track record. This isn't the first time you've slaughtered younglings. Yeah. You've got yeah, a taste. He's like, I didn't do it. And he was like, all right, uh, I'm going to take you. <laughs> all right. I, I'm not going to dive any deeper into that. I'm just going to uh, accept it. And, uh, let's move on. It's like, without the presence of my ancient Chinese lawyers, that is as much as I'm willing to say <laughs> yeah. on the matter at this time. Like, all pending. is forgiven. Let's be friends again. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that like the ghost of Yodi would just turn up and like side-eye and like, <laughs> like, I know what you you like. You're still yeah. killing kids. I know what you did. Like, come on, man. Come on, come tell the truth but yeah it's like escape. this apparently you know you you're seething for all these years and just like nope i didn't do it all right that's all i needed to hear all i'm good to go yeah cool checks Still out the black guard absolutely <laughs> checks out for me your honor case dismissed well, he, uh forget so lunch awfully, awfully quick like <laughs> let's call it a half day and call it lunch yeah. um, it's gonna take you for your word huh all right well yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. It's like they suddenly reconcile. He mentions, um, he says something as well. Cage is like, um, so they took all this, but at least I have my hair. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> and like, yeah, I mean, it's a luscious lock. Don't get me wrong. I like it's, to think that was a uh, improv. That was Nick Cage off the off the cuff. <laughs> It's, say whatever you want, Nick, man. Just do your thing. We'll uh, pick out the stuff we like and edit it together. Just do like, your thing, brother. Like, I mean, to be fair, Nick, we've already got your scenes in the can, so <laughs> yeah. we've got like, what, yeah. four hours of daylight left? Just... Like, we can't afford to pay you another day. This is what we agreed upon. <laughs> you realize now that this is this is free. This is There's <laughs> yeah. no more in the pot after this. You do know that, right? That's seriously how it felt. Like it was like uh, we got Nick for just this small amount of time. Get get the most you can out of it. And I think what I enjoyed is like as the movie sort of presses on, they sort of reconcile and you know they seem to be on maybe not great terms but terms at least. And he yeah. makes and Ghislaine at least makes this whole sort of song and dance, being like, "Look, I'm out of the game. I'm not going to help you." And then the blackguard uh, blackguard turns up. And he immediately helps them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're already getting you know, all his poor uh, uh, bounty or uh, bandit buddies killed along with him. His bandits are killed. His wife yeah. is exploded. His wife is killed. Um, so if you, if you go in thinking that this battle's going to turn out good for Nicolas Cage and he's going to go, no, no, it does not. Yeah. This, this kind of, I mean, for Cage at least, I mean, it felt in one part very. Spartacus making his last fight on like the hilltop yeah, he went of the out Roman. Like a champ. I mean, my exact notes were um, Cage basically given the Boromir treatment here because you get this sad angelic music. He's getting repeatedly slashed, stabbed, slashed, <laughs> stabbed, slashed, <laughs> yeah. stabbed, and very much in the uh, the school of thought of like Jean Claude Van Damme getting his second wind and Roundhouse kicking you through a window with his tight denim on. He kept getting back up. Yeah, you couldn't keep him down. Um, it reminded me kind of like the the la- the end of three hundred. They're yeah. all getting killed, but they're all still fighting and killing. And but you know what's happening. You know this isn't going to end well for them. Had that, like I said, it was one of the better parts of the movie. Like I said, Nicolas Cage was good in this movie. Like, or it, he was definitely Nicolas Cage in this movie. He was the best part about this movie, by far. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely the best. Um, and, it's, and it's a shame that he got killed off, but 
It's like I'd rather. I guess I'd rather have a bit of cage uh, being caged than no cage yeah. at all. And that seemed weird too that they killed them off. They killed like that entire group, but the people that you hate lived. <laughs> the people you wanted to live died, and the people you wanted to die lived. Yeah, it's so it's so twisted. You know? Jacob, you know, he has that the final showdown with um, uh, Shing, who's turned up because they now suddenly know where. The kids and now, I don't know of... why all of a sudden the brother who's been sending the black guard out to do all this killing, now all of a sudden he's like, Look, I want to join in. I haven't been here for any... How he got there, too. He's been at the palace this entire film. Then all of a sudden when the black guard gets to Nicolas Cage's uh, caves or whatever, he's there with them. I'm like, how the hell did he get there? Yeah, it's the whole film is like, he turns up, is like, father! Stab! <laughs> And then, like literally after that, every everything you see is him at the palace, and then all of a sudden he turns up with the black guard. You're like, well, "How did he get there so quick?" Yeah, he's it, that's such like shitty project manager vibes. Oh, he's taking the credit for all his team's lack, work. The lack of attention to detail in this film is <laughs> it's very obvious. They just they they mailed it in. Like, look, we just got to shoot this thing, clear yeah. it out. It felt like they tried to wrap bits up and leave. I mean, every movie well. has plot holes, but I mean, this one is, it's just riddled with them. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Shing is killed and then the black guard immediately like, hey, Prince Zhao about that whole trying to kill you thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. what? Like we, we totally turned on your father and let your brother kill That's him. Like, we didn't do nothing to stop him. I guess there's some opium in the air tonight. Yeah. Like, whoa, I'm so crazy. <laughs> It seems um, like this guard, they're, they're like, look, we're not going to get involved in trying to save these emperors, but whoever whoever's alive at the time would just go serve that dude. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything to try to save him. <laughs> we're just, we're, you know, we follow whoever's the last one standing. Yeah. You know, that's our motto and we're sticking to it. And then like we just watched this first one commit patricide and we're not going to do anything to stop it. And now we're watching him fight this white dude. <laughs> and it, it is basically like just, you know, we lit, we're literally just here to fill seats. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. Look, they gave us $25 million. We got to put something out. <laughs> we we got to make something. <laughs> There's only, only so many so many spears that we can, you know, throw. Oh, this. Can we talk about that too? I, I'm so glad you said that. They throw these spears like they're shot out of a cannon. I'm like, who are yeah. throwing these spears? These dudes, I mean, because they, they're throwing them by hand and they're hitting people and launching them back five feet like it was shot out of a dang cannon. <laughs> and they've got to weigh some. There's like thick spears, huge <laughs> yeah. metal point yeah. at the tip. I'm not like, talking they're about big, long spears. And these people, I mean, like, how strong are these guys? They're just throwing uh, the spears. I like mean, this is, we're not talking about like your Olympic javelin throw, even though that's the speed and reach that they've got on these here. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the wood and the metal back then was a little bit lighter or just the, the shoulder work off your average black guard was a one, bit better. I think it was Nicholas Cage throws a spear and it goes through a shield. And then I'm like, how hard is my man throwing that spear? I mean, I've, I've learned by this point with just films in general, don't worry about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just don't. absolutely. It's just best not to question it at this point. You know, just 
just let the spear rip through your face like this film does through your mind and soul and but my thing is like a lot of films are like that and you accept it you don't question like like the fast and furious movies you know a bunch of ridiculous stuff's gonna happen but you go in knowing that you're like that's no way that could happen but it's fast and furious that kind of stuff (laughs) happens this one they're trying to make it like a realistic I mean, it wasn't meant to be humorous for sure. They were trying to make like a real like warrior battle film. Then you just got ridiculous stuff like that. Like, all right, well, if you're trying to keep it grounded and realism and violent and stuff, make it real. Yeah, it's it's, because I think there's a lot of medieval movies that do do that very well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, some do it very well and but. I think as I said, this film is just it's just a confusing it's just a bit of a mess. Yeah. This I, film I very much like I said earlier, I felt like, you know, we were given twenty five million. We gotta pump something out. We gotta have something yeah. to show for this money. I mean there was there was one review from the New York Times that said the plot was and I quote and I quote barnacle encrusted. Um said, Outcast feels this was uh, the Toronto Sun. Outcast feels sort of like a Chinese pseudo historical soap opera that's been crashed by a couple of white dudes forcing everyone to speak English with vaguely British accents. One point five out of five. Spot on, my man. Um You know, this whole uh this was from the nerdist. Uh the whole thing is a big mess, but sometimes it is an amusing mess, and doubly so once Cage shows up, bless his heart. Agreed. Um, but my problem with it, like you get some of these bad movies that are just, you know, you know, that's so bad. It's going to be amusing. It's going to be funny. Like, uh, I saw one, I think it was called the fanatic with John Travolta, where he plays like this mentally challenged guy who's obsessed with this actor. It is so bad. It's hilarious. It's just so terrible, but this was just bad. This wasn't even funny, bad. It it was just bad. Yeah. it, It was not a good movie. You know, it's it's a shame when you get a film that can't even be so bad it's good when it's yeah, just exactly. so bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. Um yeah, and I think I think maybe China were doing us a favor by taking the brunt of this one back yeah. in. And I see that happen a, a lot more too, where you're getting these collaborations between like China and you know, whoever in the West. Like uh the the Meg, you know, that was a half Chinese, half like European, you know, the movie about the Megalodon with Jason yeah. Statham. So you've seen a lot more of that. And it never works out, though, because, like, The Meg it was an entertaining movie. That's one of those bad movies that is good, kind of. Did. But, like, the Chinese people don't speak English well, so the acting is very robotic because clearly English is not their first language. And so, But you're seeing way, yeah. a lot more of that. I guess they're trying to get, you know, more of that Chinese revenue and money. Yeah, even like movies that'll come out bad and do bad domestically here, like money wise, they'll always end up making their money from China. Yeah, I think they must have had high hopes for it to do well in China as well, because one of the, um, I mean, uh, the lady who played uh, played Princess Lian was, um, uh, I think it's pronounced Ifei, who was also in the the live action Mulan remake. Oh, okay. and who was actually, if you look into it, like a huge star in China. China. She's like a huge, huge Chinese actress. And I think for the past, uh, I mean, at least 10 years, even before that, she's frequently been in Forbes Chinese, China celebrity top 100 as well in 2020 ranking at 30, which is, uh, you know, not her highest. She slipped down from 2017, but you know, we all have bad years. 
in the Forbes 100. Yeah. Um, but she's a huge, huge star. I think most things online are just about um, Mulan for her anyway. And I'm sure she's probably much better when she's acting in Chinese, but when she's acting in English, she's terrible. She, she was not good in this movie. Yeah, I think outside of Cage, just everyone was so oh, yeah. dull was, and forgettable. Bad, very bad. The little boy, the prince. I mean, you 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 don't feel any sort of kinship towards him. Like you're like, oh man, I hope he survives and all. You, you really don't care what happens to these people. Other than yeah. Nick Cage, like I was wanting him to live, and Galen's yeah. back here, you know. But like I said, the people you want to die live, and the people you want to live die. Yeah, that's just it just felt, you know, you, this is exactly why you say you don't really connect to the characters that no. you're stuck with for the for the majority of the film. Absolutely. Cage comes in who gives a bit of like character, a bit of pizzazz, a bit of like energy, and then he's killed off, his wife's gone. I felt more closely to his wife who never than, spoke a word. <laughs> who never spoke a word. God rest her <laughs> exploded soul. Yeah. Um than the rest of the cast in this. Um but I think, you know, it's Yeah, because the princess, I thought she was terrible. Like I'm like, why is she even in this film? Really? I mean, I think that's probably why. Now that I I found out she's a huge star in China, that's why she was in the movie, because she's really not needed in the movie. Why couldn't it just be Hayden Christensen and the boy he's protecting? Yeah. I felt like they forced her in there because, you know, she's a big star, and they felt like they had to have some sort of romance happening. Yeah, it definitely felt like they needed a forced romance and they wanted that the star yeah. power of her being in the film as well. Like, no doubt yeah, about now it. that I heard that, I'm sure that's the main reason she was in is the, the draw, the Chinese draw. Absolutely. but Because she's uh, not needed in the film at no, all. She's no. not a necessary character at all. No, I think like you said, if it had just been a more concentrated film of like Hayden Christensen and the prince. Yeah, then which be, has uh, been done, you know, that sort of... Thing has been done and been done well. It's like a tried and tested formula. It works. It would yeah. have had a much more opportunity for them to like bounce off each other. Like the only conversations they have are "Teach me how to fire bow, white devil," and, <laughs> and then he only does that's... it like once. <laughs> and yeah. then like he fires at him and is like, "Yeah, you're getting better." Um, yeah, they really, really have very little interaction with one another. Yeah, you're absolutely it... right. Uh, him, if... the, the main person he's supposed to be protecting, he has like <laughs> one or two conversations with. It felt like no one wanted to talk to anyone else <laughs> in this film. Hey, Everyone look, was. We just gotta. We just gotta get power through. It's like, look, I've, done. I've got some bills to pay. I've got some electric yeah. bill meters to feed. So, you know, if we can just, everyone was just acting their own film here. They were just doing their yeah. own thing, reading off their own teleprompts, and, and it's also it's, so weird. You have these Chinese people who were speaking English, but for some reason Hayden Christensen was dubbed over because a lot of his lines were clearly him dubbed over in post yeah it didn't it didn't feel like anyone had any faith in no. this in this no, film whatsoever and like i said it, it, it's a shame because there were a lot of good like good you know shots and scenery and some of the choreography was quite good as to be expected from surprisingly a, yeah from a director with that background and you know i think cage was what we needed him to be in this film but he just was in it so sparingly that it just wasn't enough and I think, as I said, you know, you get the start of the siege in the Arab city, then the rest in this completely different ancient Chinese. It felt like they just tried to mesh two different films and mm-hmm. characters from two different films together, and it just didn't work. And we can't stress this enough. 
why the hell did you kill Cage off? You know, I know they're trying the to have one it to- person in this film you like, you relate to, you you enjoy seeing. I, I think know. the film would have been ten times better if him and Hayden had just swapped roles. Yeah, if you've been like, yeah, because I think it also would have made more sense because Cage is older, but in the first battle, but Hayden Christensen's the leader of this battle. I'm like, it doesn't really. You know, I think if they swapped roles, it would have made more sense and been a whole lot better movie. Yeah, and I can't, I can't agree more. If it had been like this guy, he was clearly higher up in the, in the chain of command of the yeah. Crusaders who'd gone missing, and maybe if it was like Cage looking for him or something, and then you know, okay, maybe that whole yeah, we plot gotta of... get back together to save this boy and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, there was there was. Easily a better film, a more coherent film that oh, yeah. is in here, but we do just didn't no. just didn't get it. Just yeah, the main I think uh, the main downfall of this movie is not enough, not enough Nicolas Cage. And I can't tell you how many times I've wrapped up episodes saying that. Um, but I, <laughs> but I, I suppose on that note, you know, as we do start to look to wrap up here, um, what what would be you know we, we've sort of wax lyrical on Outcast today, but what would be your sort of final thoughts? on 2014's outcast very disappointing like i said the the lack of cage in it just the lifeless performance of other people the if you are just dying to watch a nicholas cage movie i would not recommend this one at all it is it is not even bad funny like we were talking about it's just not good and maybe 15 at max 20 minutes of nicholas cage in the film i mean there's so many other movies you can go watch and get a much more enjoyable experience out of than this. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think just so many nails hit on so many heads here today. Um, you know, as we wrap up, I think the most succinct way to really sum up the film is that it needed more cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's really a better way to sort of summarize it on that. So sort of we wrap up here on this episode looking at Outcast. I once again uh, offer my huge thanks to you, Zachary Jackson, for joining me on the journey to True Cage Nirvana. Uh, for the listeners, um, where can we find you? Um, you know, post post this Outcast world, post this Crusade world. Well, first I'd like to say thank you for having me, man. I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, when I saw the list of podcasts and I saw this one, I said, I got to I gotta get in touch with this guy. This is an amazing <laughs> idea. I want to be a part of it. But uh, I have my own podcast. It's called uh, The Unwoken Fool. I like to tell people I'm like every other American. I have strong opinions on things that absolutely mean nothing <laughs> that are not important, but I have strong opinions on it. Really, it's just, you know, I try to have a conversation with a friend about stuff that's happening in the world. And I also I stream on Twitch. I do uh, that's at a different for my ninjas eighty three. I do video game stuff, but also do like a call in kind of advice thing that's been taking off as kind of fun and stuff. So I, that's all I'm about, is just having a good time, chatting with people that I like, and you can find me there. Wonderful stuff, and can't ask for any more than that. All the links to the aforementioned will be in the description down below that brings us to the end of this week's episode thanks again to zachary jackson for joining me we will see you in the next one but until then keep on keep on caging that's all you have to do thank you take care and goodbye